When we talk about a working church, we're talking about a church that uh, is made up of membership, and they're busy, and they're active individually, and they realize their responsibility as a member of the spiritual body of Christ. And their whole attitude has changed because they have been born again. Uh, Jesus, in John the ninth chapter, in verse uh, 4, said that, I must do the works of him that sent me, why did he stay? For the night cometh when no man um, can be active or can work. So it's a part of his plan for us to be, uh, be active. Uh, we found out today that most of the HMOs and all of the insurance that covers people, the first thing they do when we have a problem is to, uh, is to prescribe an activity for your body and to keep you busy and to keep you active because they know the life is in the blood and the blood circulates through the body when you're active. And so activity is very important for a healthy body, and it's very important for a healthy church. We are the spiritual body of Christ. Uh, so he not only worked when he was here in the flesh, but he wants his church to work. He wants us to be busy. Uh, and uh, if you just think about the seven churches in Asia, uh, the very first one, he said, I know thy works. So he's mindful. The reason why we'd like to work is because we know that we can't hide from Christ. All things are naked and laid open before him with whom we have to do, according to Hebrews 4 and verse uh, 12 and verses following. And there's nothing secret with him. He knows everything. And he said that he walked in the midst of the churches, in the midst of the golden candlesticks, and the golden candlesticks was the churches in the presence of members, and uh, he knew what they were doing. Uh, and this is the only kind of church that Jesus is pleased with. It's a busy church. It's a busy church, and, and we need to know that we need to be active. Uh, so to show the Lord's church it, uh, must be working and must be busy is our theme this evening. This is our purpose, is to show that. And to encourage you to work, and not only you to work as an individual person who has a responsibility, but because it is Christ working in you, and you're allowing him to do his work uh, uh, through you, and you're honoring him in so doing. Now, the first point that I want to mention is, is that the church is, is living. It's a living orgasm. It is it is made up of members. It's just like our body. He used our physical body in Ephesians 5 to compare to the church, and he was the head of it. He's like the brain for the church. If we didn't have our brain working, our body wouldn't function because it all functions through our, our brain. And that's the way the church is. The church, if it works without Christ, it's dead. It's dead. The body, the members become, if, if the members are severed from the brain and from the head, it, it, has, it doesn't have connection with it, then it dies. It's either paralyzed or it loses circulation and it just loses its function. So we need to understand 
that the first point that we need to understand is, is the Lord's church is alive. It's a real spiritual body. And it's made possible by the spirit he put in us when we were born again. When we were born again by the water and the spirit of the word that is the seed of the, the, the is the seed, according to Luke 8 and uh, uh, verse uh, 13, uh, 11, that the, the kingdom, he describes it like this. He said, the word of God is the seed. And uh, it is. And it's planted into our heart. And one of the, the message was that you must be born again. And the seed must enter into your mind that you can be born again. You can, your spirit can be made alive. You can be made a live person in the kingdom spiritually. Nicodemus couldn't understand this. And he said, how can I enter into my mother's womb and be born again? And he said, you see the wind? You can't see it. You can't hear it. You can't feel it. But you, you know it's, it's there. That's the way of the spirit. You must be born again. Don't, don't be surprised and don't marvel. At, I say you must be born again, but you can't enter the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. So when you're born again, Christ begins to be the life. And you can lose that life. You can forfeit that life. You can separate yourself from Christ. When you do, you'll think like the devil. And that's what we don't want to do. We want to be alive. You can't enter the kingdom without the new birth. You can't enter the kingdom without being obedient to the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, which is taught in many places in the New Testament. We won't go into detail on that right now. But you can work only uh, if we have life. You can be active if we have life. Now, I want you to turn to Romans, the sixth chapter, because here's the dead man. The dead man in Romans uh, can teach us uh, a lesson, and Paul uses a dead man. And he, he shows how the dead man can be made alive. He says, and he's speaking to them after they had become Christians. He's speaking to them. He had never seen them. Somebody else had taught them the gospel. He said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Why? Because you're dead to sin. You're alive to Christ. How shall we that are dead to sin? You're separated from sin. So a live church is separated from sin. That is just talk here. And you live no any longer therein. And then he goes ahead and explains that, Don't you know, are you ignorant of this fact, that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, that's the new birth, were baptized into his death. We put him on. We became alive. His life became our life. Therefore, we were buried with him. When you were buried with him, you got into eternal life. You reached that life. In him was life, and that life was the light of men in John the first chapter. And also in the first uh, epistle of John, he explains the same thing. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in a new life. So when you have spiritual life, you have a new life. You're alive. And God wants the church to understand that they're alive. And a strong church, a working church, is a church that is filled with Christ. If we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. 
So you're just like Christ. Well, how? By faith. We're like Christ. We're strong as Christ. We're as powerful as Christ. And we don't know how to approach everything as we ought to. That's the reason we have deep prayer and consecration of the Spirit is to stay in touch with Him. Know ye, knowing this, that our old man, there's the dead man, was crucified with Him. Envy, hate, lusting, rebellion, uh, lack of love, lack of understanding, lack of humility, lack of confidence in, in uh, the church, in the work of the church, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not keep on serving sin, that he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, now, we were a dead man until we were made alive with Christ, but we died with Christ, we died from sin. But now, we believe that we are alive. Look at that next verse. We are live with Christ. We live with him. A strong church, a working church, is a, part, is a church that is living with Christ. And when Christ, when Christ is living in us, now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe also that we shall live with Christ. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, he doesn't die anymore. If you've been baptized in Christ and you put on Christ and you were born again, you will never, ever die. Your body will die, that's true, but your spirit will never die. Death hath no more control or dominion over us. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he lives unto God. So a working church, a strong church, a busy church is one that is living unto God. And that's the reason why the 11th verse says, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey the lust thereof. Now, back to your outline. When we look at this great, uh, these points that we've been making here, and that's B under point one. Can, we can work only if we, we have life in Christ and we have it in him. And we've talked about the Roman, the dead man in Romans. You're dead to sin. You're alive to Christ. The dead man is the one that's dead to sin. He was dead to Christ, but he was made alive to Christ, and that's the one that makes the church alive. There was something missing inside when we were not saved. But the thing that is, is missing in, was Christ, and he's now alive, and he's alive in us. And a church that's working and doing what it ought to is a church that understands they're made up of Christ. And they want him to live. Christ compared the human body. Uh, and the example, as I said a while ago, when, you, when the, the nerves from the brain are severed from one of the... Here you have a hemorrhage up here, and something happens to, the, to that, you paralyzed. And this member cannot work, function, cannot work. But when Christ is his head and when Christ controls us and life is in, in him and we live in him, we get rid of all kinds of diseases and all kinds of sins that affects us. And the thing that destroys the body of Christ is just sin. Is living other than Christ would want you. The dead have no light in them. 
Look at the C part. Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee life. Now I want you to turn with me. We were in Romans. I want you to turn, if you will, uh, to after Galatians is Ephesians. I want you to turn to, to the fifth chapter of, Galatia, uh, of Ephesians and, and look at that uh, uh, 14th verse there uh, when he talks about uh, that, but all things that are, uh, but wherefore he saith in the 14th verse of the fifth chapter of Ephesians, thou that sleepest arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. Now, you know who gives us light? Now, these were people that he worked with for three years, two months and three years, and now he's writing back to them when he's in prison, and he's telling them that it's possible that they could go to sleep. And he's saying, I want you to awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead. That means the dead to sin. And Christ shall give thee light. He's the one that gives you this light, and he's the one that gives you light. And if we're thinking about it's going, to, it's going to happen because of what we do, we need to take it. But we have to cooperate. Look at that next verse. See that you walk circumspectly. That means responsibly. That means like he has directed us. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Now, light will not reflect from those spiritually dead in darkness. Now, if we're not having influence in people's lives, we may be out of touch with Christ's life. Christians in that D part on that a living church, the Christians are dead only to sin. They're not dead to Christ. They're dead to sin and they're alive to God through Christ Jesus. If we're not having an influence, it's because we are not alive to Christ. When you are alive to Christ, you will have your influence on people. You're going to have influence in the community. And that's the reason why we just got through reading a while ago, the 11th verse of the 6th chapter of, uh, of Romans. It says, Likewise reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. That's the dead man. Dead to sin but alive to Christ through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if we're a working church and we're a spiritual church and we're doing things, it's because we're alive to Christ. If we're failing, it's because we're not alive to Christ. Christ condemned a dead church. I want you to turn over with me in Revelation, the third chapter, if you will, because we're just going to glance at that and go right on with our, uh, the rest of the points here. But the third chapter of Revelation is, is one of the churches was Sardis. And the third chapter, the first verse says, And unto the angel of the church at Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. God is present. Christ is present. He's walking. In the first chapter, he, he was pictured to John as alive forevermore, one who was dead, but now he's alive. He was the beginning. He's the end. He's a great high priest that's in touch, and he knows all of our works. He knows us. We're in his presence. Uh, look at that uh, uh, middle of that first verse. I know thy works. We can't hide from him. That thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. Now, 
that's pretty uh, open and that's pretty frank. You know, we here's a congregation that thought they were alive, but they were dead. And they spread the word that they were alive, church, but he said, you're dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. They were ready to die. Why? They did not exalt Christ in their lives. They were taking credit. They were thinking about what they could do. They were out of the light. And when you're out of the light and you're out of life, you're out of the spotlight. And you're out of salvation. You're fallen from grace. Christ is not in you. And it's an ongoing thing. For I have not found thy works perfect or complete or mature or what they ought to be for before God. Now, before there, that word is prosopon. It is a word that's in the presence of God. In the presence of God, you fall in charge. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. They had to do some changing. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I'll come unto thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. Thank God they were alive. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, there is something to do in a church that is working. We each have a responsibility. He said in his Sermon on the Mount, the one who hears these things and doeth them will build on the foundation of rock. The one that hears them and doesn't, he's going to build on the sand. That was the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. Here he says, he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, a conclusion that if they don't do it, the name will be blotted out. But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Now, likewise, we ought to uh, take heed and understand, as the example that I have there in your outline under E, the second one, you know, if the car doesn't have an engine, it's not any good. If a Christian doesn't have Christ in his life, doesn't have his love, doesn't have his forgiveness, doesn't have his winsomeness, doesn't have his presence, doesn't have his smile, doesn't have his desire to help people who are in trouble and sinners to be saved, the car has lost its engine, doesn't have any power. Same way with the Christian. There's one way to test if a church is working, and that is if it's alive. And it can only be alive when it has Christ within it. A second thing is that a church that is working is one that's awake. Paul compares those sleeping to, be, to being dead. We just read that. Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead. It's very obvious that when he's in prison and writes to this congregation that some of them had fallen asleep. Conclusion, it's possible that we can fall asleep. When sleeping, only essential organs function. We don't get very much done, do we? Closest to death while we're sleeping. So are we spiritually. Just about to die. 
We don't need to sleep. We need to sleep to keep our bodies going, but we don't need to sleep spiritually. We can't work for the Lord when we're asleep spiritually. And uh, Romans, the 13th chapter, I want you to turn to that's a great passage, and we've just got to look at that. Uh, uh, it's just a very great message that comes in this book that we just read about being united with Christ. And in that 13th chapter, in the 11th verse, it said, uh, it said, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. Now, why would he say to these people that he said uh, they were baptized into Christ? Just because in that 6th chapter, he said, You can't serve sin. You've got to be alive to Christ. In the seventh chapter, he said, we have an old body that wants to sin. In the eighth chapter, he said, the best way is to let the Holy Spirit take over and in Christ, and it doesn't matter. He'll work all things out for good to them that love the Lord. And then in the ninth, tenth, and eleventh uh, chapters and the twelfth, he goes ahead and shows them, uh, concluding with the twelfth chapter, how they present their bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is just their spiritual service. And now he comes here and he says, now, uh, uh, the knowing the time that now is, it is high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. We need to keep busy. We need to be thinking about people who are lost. We need to share the gospel. We need to understand we have a purpose to live for. He said, The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the days, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. That's first century preaching. Can you identify being identified with any of those things? But the 14th verse is a center of a strong church working. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. How can a person not be alive and not be thrilled and not be excited who is filled with the living, eternal Christ wanting to come out in every, to, in every individual you meet that's lost with the story that they can live forever and ever and share eternal life with you? If you know it, you understand it, you believe it, you want to share it. He said, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. In other words, what do we put more time on? In sharing Christ with others or fulfilling the needs of the flesh? That's a great question that we ought to ask. The 14th, the, the second point there in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 15 and 34, he's just delivered a great message on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And the gospel had been preached in the 1 Corinthians uh, 3, uh, 1 through 4, is, I make known unto you the gospel, how Christ died, was buried, and was raised according to the scriptures. And then he goes ahead and tells how many people viewed that, and he talks about the resurrection. But then the, uh, down here he says, Awake to righteousness and sin not. Which shows the individual responsibility of a person working and letting Christ work through him and working in the church. In the next point there in Mark 14 and 37, we go back to the time when they were getting ready to crucify Christ. 
And Peter, uh, 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 sleep kept Peter, James, and John from watching. We're no different from what they were. We've been chosen also. And Jesus said, could us not watch for just one hour? And what would he say to us when it comes to sharing Christ and asking him for strength? We may not know how to share Christ with others, but we can at least ask him to help us and be concerned. Brethren, we need to wake up. Have we been asleep in Jesus too long? If we sleep, we'll lose the spiritual harvest. The third point is that the church that's working is a church that's unspotted. Now, it's not unspotted because of the merits of its own work, but it's unspotted because in spite of the thinking and the worldliness in which we are surrounded by, that I described this morning that we've been, the theme of the Bible is the deliverance, a drama of deliverance. Everybody's had that. Everybody's been in that. Esther was in it. Solomon was in it. King David was in it. Moses was in it. We've all been in the drama of deliverance. We've been delivered by Christ. And in this deliverance, Esther had to keep pure. Mordecai had to keep pure. And so did the others by centering in prayer and fasting and dependence on God. If church is, is, is like the world and, and we're just, you can't tell any difference from us, no wonder people say, well, why should we go to church? Why should we be a member there? There's a, there's a specific reason why we should live unspotted. And we live unspotted is because that we accept Christ. We accept him and his blood, and it keeps us clean. We may make mistakes, but we don't stay in them. Look at that uh, C point there. In Ephesians 5 and 27, he, he's going to present the church, present to himself a glorious church. How does he do it? Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish because we believe 1 John 1. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of his Son cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have no sin, we're liars, and the truth is not on us. It's a process of cleansing when we depend and we trust in Jesus in our life. And in Colossians, third chapter, it says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Set your affection on, on, in heaven, where, on Christ who is our life. When members keep the church pure, they will respect and work in it, and people will respect us. Each individual must contribute to a pure life. In Second Peter, I want you to go over there with me in that one. I think it will be more meaningful to you uh, to read that passage and just to ponder it here. It's, it's a second uh, uh, epistle. And the third chapter, uh, and the fourteenth verse, when he said, "Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things," and he just described the new heavens and the new earth, and being when the coming day of the Lord appears, that uh, the earth will vanish away, and uh, a new heaven and a new earth will appear. 
And he says, Be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Now, the only way we do that is because we keep believing he's present, believing in his blood, believing he's eternal, believing he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he's the center of our lives. He is the Lord of our life. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved Paul, a brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Well, he did that so many times. And uh, we can appreciate that passage of Scripture. In James, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father, 1 and 27, is this, to visit the the fatherless and the widows and the keep oneself unspotted in the world, let me remind you that you do, it's not because of what you do that saves you. It's what you do that convinces you that you are trusting in the blood of Christ and in the way that Christ is. is he's pure and he's, he is, is good and he gives you forgiveness when you never take your eye off of him. And in the first chapter there of James, he said, if you lack wisdom, and you're tempted, and you're, you're drawn away with your own lust and enticed. But he said, if you lack it, you just ask God, and he'll give you wisdom, and he'll just pour it out on you abundantly. And he's no respecter of persons. Only the pure in heart. In Matthew, the fifth chapter, and verse 8, one of the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That is, they shall uh, uh, understand the presence of God. And the fourth point is that the church that's working and the church that is, is, is alive is a church that's, that's a preaching church. You know, this is one of the things that the preacher needs your prayers and your help and your encouragement. And the preacher needs, if you have things you need to say to him and he needs encouragement, he needs correcting or he needs to center on some things, just tell him. But you know, a good preacher is one who will try to preach the Word. Try to preach the Bible. Try to preach the themes of the Bible. And it's power in preaching. And one of the things that helps this is for us to appreciate preaching. And appreciate a person who's able to preach. You know, we've lost our appreciation for people who's able to know the Bible and to preach it. And we need to recognize that, and we need to thank God for it, and we need to encourage people. We need to know that every person needs encouragement. Now, if a man's a good preacher, it doesn't take somebody telling him that for him to be good, but I'm just saying that if we're sold on preaching, we're going we're to try to help young men to become good preachers, and we're going to appreciate preaching. There's power in preaching. You know, Jesus said the last thing he ever said and he left here, this earth, he said, you preach the word. And when he appeared back, at the latter part, probably 95 A.D., to old John, he, he, he addressed John to go to address those seven churches. He told them to do the same thing, to teach. And his rebuke was, through John and through the angel, was for people to stand for what is, is preached and what has been preached. 
So we need to show appreciation for preaching and preaching Christ. Now, it doesn't matter if people respond to it. Let's just let God take care of the increase. Let's just be sold on the truth and sold on preaching. And when he said, you go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, that means to everybody. You're preaching. Preach it. Preach it to every creature. And it's okay if you can't preach, if somebody else can preach, then encourage the person who can preach. That's a great assignment, is to preach the gospel to every creature. That requires a lot of hours. If you had to preach sometime, how many hours would you put in preaching a sermon, maybe 10 or 15 minutes? Well, if you do a little bit of it, a lot of time you'll find out how much midnight oil you spend and how many prayers you pray, and you still wonder if you said what you should do. The only way you can is to get in the Word and see what's been done for all the preachers before you, and just stay close to the Word and just preach what? Uh, preach Christ. The gospel is to preach Christ, and we need to do it. A preaching church is God's way of making known His wisdom. I'm going to ask you to turn to one more passage, and, and that is to Ephesians, the third chapter. This is a beautiful a passage, and it's one that, that Paul uh, referred to when he's writing from prison, and uh, we have part of it there in that uh, 10th verse. But I just want you to start with me on the 8th verse. He's writing back to them, the 8th uh, the, the verse of the 4th of the 3rd chapter, of Ephesians, he said, Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given. When you're preaching, you're preaching God's grace and forgiveness. You're preaching Christ, but you're preaching grace. Because when they receive Christ, they have grace. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. When you're preaching, you're preaching the riches of Christ. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. What is the mystery? It's no longer a mystery. But that's the commission, is to make people understand it. That isn't easy, but once you get through to the person that they are lost without Christ, and you give them the true teachings of God, and they want to be a part of Christ, that is it. And it isn't an easy thing, because Satan is trying to uh, disturb them every mile of the way. Which, from the beginning of the world, had been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the end hit that now. Look at that 10th verse. Now. Who are the principalities? Who are the powers? That's everybody in the reigning of a religious era or area. You've got to take the gospel to every creature, and you've got to make it known to the it's by the church. It's by each of us alive and sharing with this. Or someone who is gifted at that, then we ought to boost them, and we ought to say, that's great. And the way to build up this church is just to have preaching and to get people out to hear it. According to the eternal purpose, 11th verse, is according to the eternal purpose he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, if we're not boosting that method, we are a drawback, and we are a hindrance, and we are, uh, we are divorcing ourselves from Christ. 
The strongest thing a, uh, a church ever did is to have somebody that would just preach the truth. And our job is to help people say, you ought to, you ought to listen. Let's, let's study this thing. The preaching is going to do the job. And we don't get in love with personalities. We just get in love with the gospel. And whoever can tell it, or we ought to uh, hug his neck or anybody that can do it and just give him all the support that we can. It is also an individual responsibility. They went everywhere in the first century preaching the word. In 1 Timothy 3.15, the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. He said, I have told you this, and I write this epistle, that means you may know how to behave yourself or act in the church of our Lord, which is the pillar and the ground of the truth. So Christ in us is the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27 And if he's formed in us, we are a working, alive church. We're not only a live church, a living church, we're awake. You outline down there at the bottom. You're not only awake, but you're unspotted from the world. Not only unspotted from the world, but you're preaching and sharing it with the world, with every creature. And that's our lesson. And if you're outside of Christ, you can be in him now. And if you haven't lived as faithful and dedicated life as you should, you have that opportunity as we stand together and sing.